0: The Shadow Davis Show on 680 CJOB.
1: Leaving sacrifice most of our lives, and tonight, Mr. Kite is hopping the bill to realize it's all within yourself. No one else can make you change. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me?
0: Greg Ton from Into the Music is our guest. Uh, A guy who spends most of his time at a place called Into the Music, you can guess, would be a musical expert, and this is why we've brought him onto the show. Welcome, Greg, and thanks for coming in again. It's been too long. Good morning, and thank
1: you. So, thank you. Oh, by Pleasure. the way, into the
0: music, let's plug it. Now, it's downtown in McDermott, 245, am right I correct? At the, uh,
1: right at the corner of King and McDermott, and it's the uh, biggest record store in town. Yeah, you guys moved from Osborne a couple yeah. of years back, Yeah, we were there right? 13 years, yeah. and we it's now 13 or 14 years, I think. So it's our 30th anniversary this year. Congratulations thank,
0: on that. Thank you. 50th anniversary of uh, one of the most influential albums in history, uh, maybe the most influential. Would you say that it is?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, you have to, you have to say it's probably, and, and we have to say the word today, it was 50 years ago today. Yes. Because today was the 50, if, if, unless you were in England, of course, it would have been May 26th, then it would have been 50 years. Oh, is that right? 50 years ago, it was released a little earlier there. But it was, and it was, it was important for a number of different reasons. Uh, pop music was a relatively conservative uh, medium, it, it sort of came out of the beat era, 45 still predominated. It was the beginning of the time when the album as a format, really started to take over. So artistically, songwriting, and sonically. So George Martin and Jeff Emmerich, both the producer and the sound engineer for the Beatles, were instrumental in terms of taking the concepts and ideas that the Beatles brought to them, and it was mostly Paul McCartney. For this particular album. He had this particular album. He was the one who came up with this idea, hey, why don't we create this fictitious band and create the album as this band? So artistically, you're taking yourself out of your normal way that you create, and you're trying to put yourself into a persona. Uh, to create that. So so it was the beginning. And It was also the other thing that happened that was really important at that time was the Beatles had just retired from performing live. They saw performing live as a charade. It was mostly people screaming. They couldn't hear themselves. They felt like puppets on a stage. It was unsatisfying. George almost quit the band at that point. Yeah. So there was an agreement made that they would retire from from touring. And because of the enormous success of the Beatles, they had something that that almost nobody else did. They had unlimited access to recording time in the studios. Sergeant Peppers took 700 hours to record. 700 hours of recording that time. That was unheard of at That's that time. That's 29 days, 24 hours a day, sitting in front of a microphone and recording. So they they, they recorded, they experimented, they developed ideas. Part of the 60s, too, is, and the influence that the Beatles had was, it wasn't just kind of a rock and roll culture. They were in, They lived in London, England. They were in a melting pot, and the world was changing in a very, very fast way. Swing to, in London, they called it, right? Swing in London, it was, and it wasn't. It was, it was, wasn't just music. It was entertainment. The arts were were huge influences on the Beatles. They were actually very progressive blokes, if you will, coming from uh, from the north up in Liverpool, and they were really open to all these ideas that were happening around them. And it's so easy for us to forget, you know, where all the influences of Sgt. Pepper have been absorbed into music so many times. It's so unclear as to us how it affects music today, but it has such a clear effect on what's gone on because everything was so conservative up to then. Sgt. Pepper's opened up the sonic palette. It incorporated instruments, ideas, and songwriting uh, innovations into how they produced their music. I mean, you know... Uh, admittedly,
0: wait, wait, one, one second. Greg Tunn is our guest. He's from Into the Music downtown in the Exchange. Um, this album itself—what made it at that time? Mm. What made it this this triumphant album? Why was everybody so blown away by this album? Sonically, it was. It, what, did it have to do with their shiny costumes, the album cover with all the lyrics on it? Like, was it a combination of all of that, or
1: was it strictly the sound of it? It was a combination of all of it for sure. I mean. Uh, even the album cover for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band has been thrown out as the greatest album cover of all time. It was a product of uh, uh, pop artists taking all these influences that the Beatles had taken and and incorporating all these images on. Even the the figures of the Beatles were in Madame Toussaint's Wax Museum for yeah, years. I yeah. saw that as a child. But sonically, I think they had taken and they'd expanded the palette of what could be done in a studio. Obviously, when you spend that much time, you're spending nine hundred hours. They'd incorporated harpsichords. They'd incorporated uh, uh, symphony orchestras, uh, sitars, harmoniums, uh, backward guitars. Uh, they'd taken all these innovations and they layered them and they transformed songs. A lot of the versions of the songs have 30, 40, sometimes even 50 versions of the song before they sort of came up with a final finished copy. Um, I think George Harrison said it best when, when he when he talked about the... George Martin taking their their strangeness and and interpreting it into, into music. Because if you look at everything that came before Sgt. Pepper, nothing else sounded like it. It was a triumph of uh, uh, you know, innovations. It was the beginning of prog- uh, progressive rock music.
0: You know what something is interesting about uh, what you're saying there is that the Beatles, of course, do, did take their influences from everything around them. Uh, McCartney credits Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys as something that drove him to doing this in the first place.
1: Their respect for Brian Wilson and what he was doing was enormous. And that's the one that's cited the most. They also talk about Frank Zappa's Absolutely Free album.
0: As, I never knew that. That's being interesting.
1: Because that, what it did, it, it breaks the mold. It sort of gets away from, you know, pop music has to be this three-minute song. Uh, it, 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 it incorporates... All these different ideas that you could start throwing in—it's getting away from this very conservative idea of how a song should be constructed—and that was the genius of the album and the genius of how this came together. It was, was they broke the mold. And that's what important albums do. They break the mold and they do something that's never been done before. You
0: know, what's interesting about it, too, is when you read all the quotes from the band members, more from Lennon than from McCartney afterwards, L- Lennon would say, Paul wanted it to be a concept album, but it was just a bunch of garbage, really, except for a couple of songs. Like he said, Good Morning, Good Morning was just filler. Right. Uh, ben, Mr. Kite was just from something from a, a poster that I saw that I wrote down. And we just screwed around with some different uh, tape loops and whatnot. He yeah. said it was not meant to be this innovative thing that
1: people are making it out to be. Uh, true, <laughs> you know? but but once again, look at what look at what else. What it was surrounded by. Even Mister Kite, which isn't maybe one of the premier songs in the album, is an amazing track. The way it's put together. Once again, it's also the product of unlimited studio time, where you could just create and develop and take your time. And you know, even back in those days, studio time was enormously expensive, so that the privilege that the Beatles had from their enormous success afforded them this ability to do something that nobody else possibly could. And of course, it's also not, it's a collection of those four unique characters in the studio Mm -hmm. uh, teamed up with their producer and their sound engineer to create sounds that had never been heard before.
0: I find it fascinating, all of the things you're bringing up and just this album itself recorded on four tracks, just four. All of the sounds that we talk about. And today, most recordings are what, 24? Oh, um, 36. 36, even? yeah. And, and they're still not, I believe, still not as innovative as what we heard 50 years ago today. Lucy! Okay, so Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Lucy, L, Sky, S, Diamonds, D, L, S, D. <laughs> There's a lot of people uh, that, that still believe that song was written about uh, the dreaded lysergic, as George Harrison used to call it. Uh, in reality, it's it's written about a, a picture that his son Julian brought home from school right. uh, in 1965 or 66. And uh, who's this uh, son? Oh, she's Lucy. And she's in the sky with diamonds. and the, So, you know, everything's very literal uh, in terms of the way John was writing at that time. Being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Good morning, good morning. He took that song from a Kellogg's commercial that he used to see on TV every morning, right?
1: One of the things you have to remember about the Beatles, too, is their sense of humor. They would play with ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, not everything was literal. They would, everything was, uh, you know, jokey, especially from John. Uh, there'd be a jokey quality to it, there'd be a serious, because be, it'd be working at different levels at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it'd be literal, it'd be a joke, it would be profound. Yeah. All at the same time.
0: Make you think for sure. And Greg then you, Tun, you can read into it. Greg Ton is our guest. He's from Into the Music uh, downtown in The Exchange. It's the Shadow Davis Show. It's 9 7 We're talking about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Today uh, marks the 50th anniversary of its release. A lot of people suggest it is the most influential album in rock or pop history. Um, What I'm interested in, and and this is Jerry, behind the glass Jerry. He's my uh, technical producer here, Greg. I'm not sure if you've met Jerry yet. There he is.
1: Hey, Jerry. Hello.
0: And Jerry's son heard this. Jerry's son is a musician. Jerry's son is a bass player. And he heard this album for the very first time front to back last night, right? That's correct, yes. And and so the, the comments that he texted back to Jerry are interesting.
1: Yeah, he said uh, right after he was done finishing it, uh, he texted me, wow. So I've heard a couple of these tracks before. The most recent one was Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds. I super dig all the experimental stuff, the instruments, the sound effects, the laughing in Within You, Without You uh good morning good morning and a day in the life all of the instruments and vocals and pitch shifts are awesome i can tell why it was so bloody big kind of upset i didn't sit down and listen to this before i really loved it uh haven't not liked the beatles tune yet there's something else i like that plus i dig mccartney's bass line <laughs> dude's mad talented on that thing yeah so indeed i think the other thing too is before sergeant pepper's psychedelia as we understand it did not exist now we can look back on it in a kind of a quaint way and say psychedelic was just a s- small period of music, but it's there's had this huge reemergence in, in in music in in the last ten or fifteen years, and it's really a part of the palette of how a lot of musicians uh, create stuff. So Radiohead uh, or uh, uh, Radiohead would be a great example of a band that sort of creates psychedelic kind of. Uh, Sonic qualities: Would Radiohead uh,
0: or Pink Floyd exist without the Beatles? I mean, come to think of it, would any real experimental pop exist without what the Beatles did with this album?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it would, but would like it, it's evolved at a faster speed to to bring us to where we are now. Um, you know, I mean, of course, these bands would have existed, but what would they have sounded like? It's the sound and the idea. So I think great art, and I think we talked about this last time I was on the show, The great art is a great idea, how well, ex- how well executed it is. This is brilliantly executed. Um, and it's how it's been absorbed. Into... Are you
0: surprised that a 20-year-old kid today
1: hearing that album for the
0: first time is as blown away as you were when you first heard this no. album years ago? Yeah,
1: not at all. Not at all. I think it's an album that stands up really well to time. Uh, to time. It doesn't sound—it's it, representative of its time, but at the same time, it's it's universal. It doesn't date, like uh, listening to an Elvis Presley song from 1957, where oh, it yeah. sounds like it's from its time. Or even a Prince song from the 1990s, with that drum sound, it sounds like it's from its time. That has a universal quality, and that's you know something great about all great music, is, is it transcends these— artificial boundaries that we put on. it. You know, it's from 1967, so...
0: You know, it's funny is there's people listening to us right now, maybe you, uh, who have never heard this album before, and that's cool. I mean, I, I don't mean to disparage. And there's other people listening right now that say, Sergeant Pepper, that wasn't even their best album. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I'm one of them. I mean, uh, I, I think that it, it's a fine album, but it's my fourth favorite Beatles yeah. album. Uh,
1: I'm with you. I, I have other albums that I would probably go back and listen to as well. But when you... When you but that's... It's not where we're talking... What we're talking about is the influence it had on a wider popular culture. You know, the the early Pink Floyd 45s wouldn't have existed. Days of Future Past by Moody Blues wouldn't have existed. Odyssey and Oracle by uh, The Zombies wouldn't have... I mean, those were early early albums, but all the way through this whole progressive rock era, was hi- highly influenced by that. What about the Stones? I mean, when
0: Beatles come out with Sgt. Pepper, what do they come out
1: with? Satanic Majesty's Request. Right. And they said right up front, this is our version of, of that album. Brian Wilson's Smile album, which of course didn't get released until years later, but, you know, existed in, some, in, a, in a form, was influenced by Sgt. Pepper's. So there was a bit of a gamesmanship, friendly gamesmanship going on back and forth, because there's a lot of mutual respect between the two. You know, they loved... Beatles love pet sounds so they created Sergeant Pepper and Brian Wilson loved Sergeant Pepper so he created smile um, Unfortunately that didn't come to fruitation until years later but that there was so the music music doesn't exist in a vacuum everybody's listening to everybody else and it's great that they acknowledge you know where where it comes from and what they're listening to and and how these ideas get translated into the music that we hear
0: You know what's funny is that a lot of people would say, that revolver is the more influential album than sergeant pepper and the reason we're talking about pepper today is because it's the anniversary of its release here but uh revolver and some say that that album even influenced the beatles themselves their own creation
1: yeah well it's just it was, a
0: continuation it was
1: part of a continuous process rubber soul revolver uh sergeant pepper i mean sonically what the beatles were doing at that point in time they were just continuing to evolve their and and Sergeant Pepper was the culmination of that. Like you, I would probably prefer those two albums, Rubber Soul and uh, Revolver to uh, Abbey Road's my number to 1. To Sgt Pepper. Oh, I love that too. Yep. Of course. White Album is White right Album's up, number uh, 2. <laughs> right behind Abbey. Yeah, right Rowe. up there with me. Um, and and you know and and uh, the White Album was a reaction to uh, to Sgt Pepper. How so? It was such an elaborate elaborate I want to say convoluted process. That, that came to, those al- those songs were not, as the Beatles claimed, were not playable in concert. You couldn't just walk on stage with two guitars, a bass, and drums and play those songs. No. It was impossible. Yeah. But you listen to the songs on the White Album, it's totally organic. Stripped down. Everything's stripped down, organic, and it's a brilliant album with tremendous feel and lots of variety in terms of how they composed it. But it's certainly not Sgt. Pepper's.
0: No, it's not. Let me ask you a question before we wrap it up here, Greg. And this is Greg Tunn from Into the Music and The Exchange downtown. The, uh, the final note, the Beatles... Uh, I think it's an E note, maybe E flat, whatever it is. It's the end of a day in the life. Final track of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, some pressings had grooves that never ended. That's right. And so that note would continue playing... Until you took it off the record. Is that right? That's right. Or is that just a rumor? That's no, r-
1: I think original British pressings used to have that. Uh, so we call it a, 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 an infinity groove. Okay. So that if you have an automatic turntable, you could never hear it. Because when your automatic turntable gets to a certain point, it would lift off. Right. If you have a manual turntable where the, the, uh, the needle would just spin into the middle groove, it would continue to play that note over and over and over again. Of course... Just certain pressings had that. Those are very, very hard to find.
0: And so, if I happen to have a mint pressing of this particular uh, album uh, with the Infinity Groove, what
1: can I get for it? In uh, mint condition, probably two to two fifty. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> no, two hundred and fifty dollars. And it's not a lot higher because the album was is was so widely pressed, oh, and it's I actually see. fairly fairly uh, available. But if you wanted to purchase a copy, I would say maybe three hundred dollars. <laughs>
0: 300 bucks, that's it. <laughs> that's that's about it. Thank you, Greg. Uh by the way, uh let's go through quickly here some of the other in uh, albums that may be uh, close to being as influential as that in 30 seconds if you can do that.
1: Uh Sex Pistols? Nevermind the bollocks. Yep. Um uh Nirvana? Nevermind? Yeah, absolutely. Um uh Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Okay. Why now? Why what's going on by Marvin uh, Gaye? It, so, uh it uh it broke the mold uh for in soul music the way Sgt. Pepper did. It was a concept album. Um it was a suite of songs. It had themes and ideas that were sort of outside the scope of just doing love songs or bragging about stuff. It was about environment what was happening the environment. It was about concern for society. It was, and it was so brilliantly. It's like about my favorite album of all time. You know,
0: I'm embarrassed to say, Greg, I I don't think I've ever heard that whole album. I'm Come gonna on
1: down, <laughs> let's listen to some music. Get down into the music today.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming in, brother. Thank you very much. Have you again soon, Greg time from Into the Music, talking about the 50th anniversary of the release of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which is today. <laughs> The Shadow Davis Show on 680 CJOB.